Welcome to Pop Culture Retro, which was recently voted the 15th best podcast by the residents of the Golden Years Retirement Community in Boca Raton, Florida. Each show, we'll revisit some of your favorite pop culture memories with insider and outsider perspectives. Now, please help me welcome your hosts, Ike Eisenman and Jonathan Rosen. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Pop Culture Retro. I'm one of your hosts, Jonathan Rosen, along with the man who demanded not one, but two stunt doubles on 1979's Shadow of Fear, just in case anything happened to the first he had a spare, Ike Eisenman. Ike, how are you today? I'm great. I'm great. I I love that picture because I kind of forgot that I had two stunt doubles on that show, and it was mainly because... Yeah, there was there. I mean, there were there were some serious actual stunts that had to be done, but we, that show had more wild. I would say wild animals, more animals in it than anything I've ever worked on before. And one of those guys, sort of the, um, I don't want to say the younger looking of the of the two, but the more teenage looking one. He uh, he 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 was he stood in for me when it came to like dealing with close proximity to the wolves and a lot of the dogs and some some of the hairier stuff with with all these all these different animals um yeah i still had to do a lot of the stuff myself so which was fun you know well i wanted to ask about that is that usual that there are two stunt people for the actors is that i i had never know, heard of that i don't you know i don't know what's usual or necessarily unusual especially these days with all the action movies i mean you need different stunt doubles that have different skill sets. Not everybody can do everything, um, you know, like fighting versus driving a, a car. You'd have a stunt driver that drove for you. It wouldn't necessarily be the same guy that stood in for the more dangerous, uh-huh. you know. Then you have somebody who, there, there used to be the um, stunt men who only did um, high falls from um, big heights into airbags. And as a matter of fact, see, we're already digressing. No one even knows what the show is about today. It's gonna, they're going to think it's <laughs> yes, about I mean, this. I'll get to that. But I think, uh, I think our audience might be a little interested in these tidbits. Um, <laughs> the actual stuntman, and I have forgotten his name, who invented the airbag, um, did a stunt on um, Return from Which Mountain. Um, oh. in, in the very, very in the very beginning, um, when Anthony James' character is ordered by Christopher Lee to go climb up to the top of a building, and he's right. you know he's a fear of heights, and has him walk along the edge, and then he falls off. Um, that is this uh, particular stuntman, and that was that was what he did. He just did high falls, and he had the world oh, wow. he had the world record for the highest fall of three hundred some odd feet. I'm not quoting it correctly here i'm sure but in into an airbag in the future now it makes me think we should probably look and i'll, and I'll get on that to look up uh maybe we'll do a show on stunts and uh look i'll try to get some stunt people on oh that would be that would be a blast because i've i've always it's you know i i worked with um um oh good gosh the guy who directed uh smoking the bandit how um Oh darn it! I can't remember his name. Anyway, he was the the stunt coordinator on another Disney show I did called Fremont and the Mountain Men, or Kit Carson and the Mountain Men, and um, and 
so I met him way back when he he was a major stunt coordinator and then he ended up becoming a director and directed the Smoking the Bandit films and some other movies. Really, really, really wild guy. They're 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 the biggest I'll need him. Hal Needham, thank you very much. I knew you were going to look it up while I was yammering and stammering and stumbling over myself. Hal Needham, yeah, he was. Um, the stunt guys were always unique, and we should do a show about it because they they were the yes. biggest personalities on any set, bigger than any actor or anything. They just they were way bigger than life, and that's how they, you know, they they I, fed I'm, their I'm, daredevil. I am yeah. going to get on that. I think but... I excellent idea. Now, as you can see by the the picture behind me, today we decided we're going to do a show on children's television shows, you know, from when we were younger. And this came about because when we were going, we, we were doing the Magic Garden show, I was all excited and I kind of, oh, we have Carol and Paula from the Magic Garden. And you had no idea who they were. And it shocked me. And it shocked. And then we realized later that, you know, they're regional shows. And it never even occurred to me. And, and, you know, it makes sense. And I kind of didn't even think about that growing up. And so, whereas people like in the Northeast knew the Magic Garden. Now, all these, all my friends loved that show. You know, you had no idea about them. And But you grew up in, you know, a television show environment because your dad ran, you know, was the host of a TV show. So, which was the cadet, the cadet Don show, correct? Exactly. Yeah, that's what it was called. It was, um, it was only the uh, Houston, Texas area. Actually, I just learned today because I was trying to do some research on these, um, these mm -hmm. regional shows, and his show was listed, but also listed that it was broadcast in El Paso as well as Houston. Um, it didn't go as far and wide as. Uh, Dallas so it wasn't all over was, Texas. It was just like in a no, couple of cities in Texas. No, it was just in it, it was just in Houston, which is a huge market. I mean, it, right. it's it, it, at during those days, Houston, Texas was the fastest growing city in the United States, and it outpaced, you know, a lot of the big cities in terms of overall population um, for a while. So it, it's it's a large city. You know, it's not a metropolis like you know New York or Los Angeles or Chicago, but but um, yeah, it's a, it's a large television market, and um, his show was on the air for nine years. And shares, I mean, from 1958 to what do I say? I think we left six, 68, like yeah, 59 to 60, 1968, something like that. And um, do you know how? Yeah. I mean, can you do you know how he got involved in the show to begin with? How? how oh yeah, I I. I intimately involved with uh with that that story um because i did actually in in terms of um just some preliminary research for my memoir i wanted mm -hmm. to have a better understanding of how he got into the business and i have his his all of his his memorabilia from his career because my father always wanted to be an entertainer from when he was a teenager and um um when he went to college he did he did all these these theatrical shows and these kind of comedy shows and performed and sang and danced and all that stuff in in the Houston area and um kind of I, I don't want to say he became a, a little bit of a known personality but but these were the, the those were the talent pools for local television to go and find performers for whatever kind of programming that they wanted to put together and KTRK which is a very big 
station, Channel 13 in Houston. Um, the owner of the station had an idea for a new show because NASA had moved, was was just breaking ground or, or starting to build or close to being complete um, building um, mission control there in Houston, Texas. So mm. it was a big part of the burgeoning space program. And um, he wanted to help like piggyback on, on, you know, this big operation and the national news it was getting um, by doing a space themed kind of children's show. And they figured they could, they could pull guests from, you know, from the facility. And, and so he came up with this idea for an astronaut type character called Cadet Don and needed someone so the whole to show be was the personality. Space themed was NASA, NASA themed. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not everything. It was just, uh, Cadet Don, which is kind of it's a it's a funny name. It's, I think it's I think it's a very catchy name, but um, mm -hmm. that denotes like denotes a student as opposed to a seasoned astronaut, <laughs> you know, in, in a sense. But um, yeah, he wore he wore he wore a, fl a flight suit and actually ended up his costuming evolved over time to be a little bit more of a, almost a Star Trekky kind of um, space suit that he wore on the air the set was like um the the control center of a spaceship and it had space spaceship style decorations and, um, and this came out before star trek oh yeah yeah this is like 58 yeah. 59 um and um somehow the the station owner, my father had met, or my father had been trying to get a job at the station. He was, oh, that's what it was. No, he is, he he got a job there because he wanted to get into into broadcasting, and so he was doing anything and everything he could at the station. And of course, hawking himself as a performer as much as possible. And then finally, the two just kind of came together. And the station owner asked my father if he'd like to host the show, and he said, "Yeah, sure." <laughs> and so the show was born. And um, you know, I have to say from just looking back on it it was 90 minutes of live children's programming a day six days a week um and i actually have a copy i, I should have maybe i'll be able to uh, pull it and put it up um on, on our the youtube youtube version of our show because i saw when he had one daily schedule left over that my father did the schedule every day came up with you know whatever the segments were going to be and it was like, man, it was like if every 15 minutes or half an hour was some new thing. And there were cartoon blocks. It was very similar to a lot of shows we're going to talk about today, format wise, because it was entertaining. There were special guests, um, everyone from astronauts, real astronauts like Edward White II and a number of other astronauts wow. that, that came on the show. Chuck Connors appeared on the show. Pat Boone appeared on his show. So whenever someone was in town um that that the station could get a hold of to come and and you know do a little interview or just a little appearance on the show they they would so there was that segment and then my father would sing some songs sometimes he did little exercise um segments to teach kids basic you know um basic um you know exercise and um then he had a dental hygiene segment. He talked about food. I mean, it was all kinds of stuff, you know, eating properly. And um, and he had a sidekick um, that was an alien that lived in his, his spaceship and was rolled onto the set. 
and I just happen to have him right here. Oh, that um, is awesome. That's, that is yeah, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. See, it's so funny. The second you start, you have a puppet on your hand, you start moving this in time with your own speaking. Um, I am no ventriloquist. I can't even pretend to do it. But yeah, this is Seymour. Hello. Um, Seymour is made out of And that's of the original one. That's the one that was used. That's one of the original ones. Yes. There were that about awesome. eight or eight okay. or nine of them over the course of time because they fell apart. And my mother and my grandmother made these. So yeah, it's it's essentially like yarn, yellow buttons for eyes, and and it's uh felt and and my father had his hand up inside the spaceship and Seymour would come out and talk to the kids at home and <laughs> And, you know, it, it was really great stuff. And it, the, the Get It Done show was a, a, a very, very big hit in Texas. It was extremely, extremely well, I can popular. Imagine. That's what I was going to ask because we're, we're talking about like kind of like the height of like the space craze. You yeah. know, when, uh, when NASA, like, every, you know, everyone's like, you know, we're going into space. We're going to, you know, we want to land on the moon. So this was like kind of, I could see this being really popular, especially yeah. in Texas, you know, yeah. right there. No, it, 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 it definitely, it definitely was. And, um, you know, there is a Cadet Don Facebook page around because people like to reminisce about it and post some things, I think. Oh, I um, know that. I yeah. That. Yeah. Um, and one of the biggest things, and again, this was something I kind of learned was a, a common uh, thing that was kind of, that was done on a lot of these shows, especially if they were, they were live shows um there was something about engaging the audience and saying hello to children you know by name or or whatever to personalize that experience between the young audience member and 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 the um the show hosts my father did a oh, segment so like kids would write in and your and your dad would like you know address like you know kids well no i mean the other these other shows did this i don't know if that's where oh. my father got this idea but one day they just thought he thought how can i how can we make this more personal so it's like you're i'm actually talking to you at home so he one day they just decided they were going to announce three birthdays um kevin happy birthday today your present is under your bed. So go take a look and find it and happy birthday to you. And, and he did the same thing to like two or three other boys and girls on the air. And they literally got swamped with letters within by the next day, people coming to the wow. station and dropping requests <laughs> off. Will you please announce my child's birthday on the air? This is where the, his present or her present's going to be. This is their birth date. And it just became a huge thing. Um, and if you, I haven't really looked at the Cadet on Facebook page in a very, very long time, but a lot of people have who've posted things on there have said, gosh, I remember when he, when he, when he, he told me where my birthday present was. It was the most amazing thing. It was incredible. And there is a fantastic story that followed my father um, all the way through his career. Uh, he eventually left, you know, the, the performance side of show business and became a prop master for movies and uh, TV shows. And he was working on a series with, um, with Randy Quaid and Jonathan Winters. And I forgot the title of it, but um, when Randy realized who my father was, he absolutely flipped out. He says, you're Cadet Don. You're Cadet Don. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm working with, I'm, I've met Cadet Don. 
because <laughs> he and Rand, he and Dennis Quaid um, were from Houston. That's where they where they grew up. And um, one afternoon, um, Randy got on the on the like the on the speaker and and asked my dad to come up to the booth. There was someone he wanted him to meet. So my father goes up there and he walks into the control room and there's sitting Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan. And Dennis just turned into a little kid and said, oh my God, it's Cadet Don. I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I got my present. I got my present. You told me where it was and I got it. I mean, and, and so this was how powerful um, this stuff was on these on these shows and I know I Magic Garden did something similar like that. They would mention names yes. or say names or something like that. And a lot of people they said, oh, the name. You know, yeah, you never said my name or you said my name. And, and so right. there was there was something there was definitely across all these local children's shows. Something consistent about about doing things like that to um, to engage to, the audience. To, to, yeah. Bring the kids, bring the kids into the show and and my father's show was was no different so yeah he he i mean he was quite the celebrity in houston he did personal appearances all the time and and we never had to pay for food at jack in the box because they were a sponsor, <laughs> a sponsor on the show and so we we ate there all the time which was the coolest thing ever i mean you know you just you know just to, <laughs> to just to drive up to the window and have them just hand you hand you food was amazing so yeah, it was quite that an incredible experience. And yeah, it was my first time on television when I was two years old. I appeared on his so show. That's it. So you you made your show. So he brought you on? You you on yeah. frequently? or I No. What we did was, I think we made it, my brother and I both, by the time I was two, I guess I was well-behaved enough. And actually, <laughs> as anyone who's watching the YouTube version of this will see right now i'm going to be running the my video clip that i have it's it's probably the only <laughs> the only footage from my father's show that's still in existence and only because someone um his 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 uh, um close friend it was a cinematographer filmed me on his show from off, from off camera with a 16 millimeter camera so it's 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 visual material of of me on the show having my birthday getting my opening my presents a couple of the guests uh, one of the guests on the show is giving me presents and, and a little bit of the set and um my my father's setup on the show so after two years every birthday subsequent to that um my brother and i would make an appearance Come on the on. show yeah hey. well so. I get, they, they, they don't have they don't they didn't keep all the video from it they just it's gone oh Everything no from all the no videotape was incredibly expensive and um and i've even read in a couple of the uh, some of these other shows where where there were personal mentions about people and they're going back to the you know 50s and 60s trying to see if they can recover an episode of these shows that they you know that they had some connection to what they did was they 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 only kept it for about 24 hours in case the lot like something ha bad happened or they would only keep two or three shows to play once in a while but they just taped over the tape every day i, yeah. I read that for other shows too that is so terrible it's just all this yeah. history oh yeah gone. yeah but but i mean they, they had no budgets you know they was these were local shows they were national shows the national shows of course were were taped and then distributed 
syndication wise mm -hmm. to other stations. So they had to provide some kind of a hard copy for them to be able to be uh, broadcast. I but, think it's, I think yeah. it's on national shows too. The, the same practice was done. And uh, I, I think I remember reading yeah. like early night shows and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Quite a bit. Um, God, there was a process called, I think it was called kinescope. Ugh, I'm not hundred percent sure on my term here. If you if you see a lot of there there are even episodes of the Twilight Zone that were done this way because they were either broadcast oh. live or they couldn't keep them, so someone would actually film a um, monitor on the set to record it for posterity or to have a permanent copy of it because they just they just couldn't keep um, there there was nowhere to room. I mean the the video the, the videotapes were in like bins this big big plastic containers that were this thick huh. so that would be for you know maybe 30 minutes of 30 minutes of um on-air content so mm -hmm. it was they were it's unwieldy was huge it was expensive too difficult to 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 store so no one bothered no one ever really thought that they was gonna want to watch this stuff again I mean, it went on for so many years yeah yeah i i I gotta tell you, I mean, I want to get back to the Cadet Don stuff and saying, but just how you mentioned the names when when we did have Carol and Paul on, and I first of all, they couldn't have been nicer. I, I, you know, I loved the show growing up. I loved Magic Garden growing up, and it was it was like one of my favorites. I did watch it for years. When they said that they were coming on this show, I, I was just ecstatic, absolutely ecstatic. <laughs> it's like the same way you mentioned, like the the quiz. There, because it was like in childhood, <laughs> and I, I've spoken to I've I've now actually spoken to Carol many times, you know, to be just just for, you know other things arranging, and she she's so nice off screen too. It's like you know, I was so glad because we we on the show we have talked about people that did not match expectations of what you see <laughs> on air. So and and she did. She could not have been nicer. And still nice. I, I spoke. I spoke to her just uh, this past week, actually, and she's been so nice. But when they sang our names on the show, oh yeah, I had such a reaction to that. It, it really, I was just like, I was giddy. I was just so happy that my name was being sang here. And here I am, like you know, it's like fifty years after the show aired, and I'm still getting that same, you know reaction inside me for that it, it was like incredible so i could see that you know the quades getting all excited meeting your dad with that well these were these were really powerful shows and and uh, the the ones i watched um some of them impacted me greatly a lot of them i i was i, I was either too weird or too old to enjoy um and we'll run down some of these these titles in a, in a, in a little bit but um I was very much aware, you know, I, I learned, I learned as a child what it meant to be a celebrity and, and to have people know you everywhere you go and having to be having to make sure that you, um, you are that kind and generous personality in the real world that you are on television, because you're that audience is what keeps you on the air. And they want to know that they're meeting that same that same right. person is that and something so, that your dad so, said to you do you remember that having that conversation ever like you know yeah that yeah we we did we, we talked about it me. a lot i it, it 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 didn't the thing was it didn't start to affect me until i was like you know 12 
12, 13 years old when Escape to Witch Mountain um, became so popular in the, in the theaters and I started getting recognized a whole lot, I realized pretty quick that, that you know, I couldn't, I wasn't allowed to have a bad day out there in the real world. I needed to really kind of pay attention to, to myself. Um, I get that. But also, you know, the back back then we're talking about a live TV show that was on every single day, and you don't you you couldn't afford to have. I mean, your fans. I mean, look, I have pictures of my father with the piles of fan mail that he would get. They had to have a department huh. that 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 answered these fan letters back because those are the people that are watching the show and you stop getting fan letters your viewership goes down or if you don't take care of it and especially in a local show um you you have to feed you have to feed the fan base otherwise your your show will suffer and probably you know not survive it's not so much the case these days um with with certain other areas of the business where where that's such a huge thing because I knew there was a point, there was a point even in my early career where I started getting so many letters. It's like I I didn't make enough money to hire somebody to be able to to answer, send pictures back, and I was doing it myself. And I had school and homework, and then fan mail to answer, and it was just it was overwhelming. And I finally had to stop. I mean, I I just had to stop completely because it was it was too much. I mean, it, you know, I was never a Bobby Sherman or a Leif Garrett with that kind of stuff. But um, enough came in that it was unmanageable for me. So thankfully, it wasn't something that I had to do in order to maintain my career because it was all, you know, all that was very, very different by the time I was in the in. So when in, you used to go out as a family, your dad would get recognized all the time, like in the local areas. All, all, all the time. All the time. Yeah. All the time. Yeah, it was uh, it was very interesting. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, he played the part well, he, um, he knew what he had to do and he was willing to put in that, that, you know, to kind of give up that part of our private life to, mm -hmm. um, to, you know, make sure people were, were getting their, the, the full experience and, and to me. Right, that's what I'm asking now. Was it better? I mean, that obviously to me, like of course, that had to have a huge influence on you wanting to do this as as something yourself. You know, you saw what happened from your dad, but was there ever any part that you know resentment that you know, hey, we don't have any privacy? Well, I didn't. I was too young to really know what privacy meant. My father ate it up. I mean, usually, okay. you know, he, he, he had an ego, you know, that went right along with his, the station in life he wanted to achieve. And so he liked the adulation, you know, he liked the attention. He enjoyed it. It didn't, didn't bother him, but it's not like we were going out all the time. Cause that wasn't something that you, I mean, you know, in the sixties, you know, <laughs> everybody ate at home. Uh, right, that's you know, true. you you the, going to the movies was a special event. It wasn't something you did every weekend. So it really yeah. wasn't like we were out, you know, mall walking on the weekends and and, and people and getting, dressed up for the movies yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it was a very it was a very different world then. Um, so yeah, it, it it wasn't like it was like this constant you know uh buzzy thing so 
you know, there's there's that part of it also because we're we are so used so, to being out in the world now for so much of our lives that it's hard to imagine. So when did you, you move know. to L.A. again? What year did you? How old were you when you first moved to L.A.? Six years old. So sixty eight, nineteen sixty eight. So you were still in the age within the age range that you could watch kids. Were, were there any what kids shows were on there that were might not have been back east? Well, that's okay. So that's really funny because all we just had my dad's show on every day, right? So that's that's what I would watch. <laughs> I look, it's still in LA. We, oh no, no, not in LA. In LA, I'm sorry. When once I got to LA, yeah. What the shows I came across, I started watching a lot of you know just cartoon shows, and um, and and you know, like I said, I was a a bit of an odd bird, you know, as a young person. You know things like Captain Kangaroo. I thought was silly. It was too young. It, it was too young for me. Um, and uh, one of the shows which I wanted to bring up here because it's I, I found it particularly fascinating in reading the backstory about it. It's made it even more interesting to me. Was Wonderama. Um, oh, I love Wonderama too. Yeah, um, that that was an amazing show because because. First of all, I didn't remember it was this it was it was this long, but it, it ran for three hours um, Sunday mornings because there really was nothing. I mean, oh, you I had your Saturday morning content, but Sundays oh. was was mostly like religious shows or news shows or I don't know stuff stuff like that. And Wonderama was like the sole bastion of children's entertainment on Sunday mornings, kind of. And so I watched that a lot because Wonderama. Their format was was, and we almost should have had it be a part of our variety show, variety yeah. shows show because it was a three hour variety show. There was a principal host. He was funny. He could do skits and he sang. Um, there was a live audience with the kid uh, of children um, there that um he would engage with they would the kids uh played played games would participate in little contests and win huge prizes i mean uh, it was one of those things where the, the 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 child that won um would end up being handed like this stack of games board games and all this huge stack and i just thought that was the most amazing thing i'd ever seen i wanted that i want i wanted a stack somebody just give me a stack of games it just seemed so cool and so they actually had they had celebrity guests on i mean i i, I saw it was like everyone from evil knievel to jody foster to all kinds of people have been have appeared as um you know guest celebrities on the show and then, of course, they have cartoon segments because they, all these shows, you, you had to fill a lot of it with with cartoons. So that was something I watched. I, I watched the Banana Splits. Um, I love that show. So and um, yeah, that was that was a that was a wild one. And and um, and actually, in, in point of fact, in point of fact, my father, who who left the children's show world, moved to Los Angeles to become a quote unquote legit actor. And he ended up landing himself another children's hosting gig <laughs> that he really hated. I got to be honest, he was not happy about it. And he just said, I didn't come out here to do another kid show. Good God. But it Which was show a, is this? It, I forget what the, I, gosh, I forgot the name of it. It was kind of, it was just one, one season, but it was like a, there was a kid's game show and 
um and and it was primarily a cartoon show and he had a banana splits character on it so they showed banana splits cartoons <laughs> and there was one of them dressed up in in um in one of the banana splits characters costumes and you know here he was again just kind of doing the same old thing and and so he ended up i, I think he actually left it at a certain point he oh just did didn't he want to do it anymore <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i you know I don't, I don't know. I think you know, there's a lot of those, those personalities that, that just do that. They're perfect for that, for that, um, you know, for that segment of entertainment. And many of these people, like even from, from Wonderama came from other children's programming regional shows and other markets. And that's just what they do. And that, and they're really good at it, which is why they were, so popular and um and they did so well but anyway yeah that was my, my little my little list the i mean the, we had i loved one wonder Armor as well i loved the banana split i loved all those craft shows that and sid croft was another one that when sid, when he had him on that i was just like you know in awe you know, getting to talk to him because yeah. of all that stuff but uh and he also seemed genuinely nice person like off off camera well but um, but we watched. I mean, but you had all the. You mentioned before that you watched the first Sesame Street. I I love Street as well. Those weren't local ones, but those were the kids programming, and the the loved one behind me, Electric Company. It seemed at one point, I don't remember when it was. Like you know, you, you felt like you outgrew Sesame Street a little bit, and I don't know if it's the case. Electric Company seemed the next level to me like the next age up i don't know if that's even the case really but that's what it seemed like to me and uh -huh. it was like a little bit edgier like you know uh the characters were a little bit edgier and spider-man on it although we had like regular spider-man appearances on electric company so i love that but <laughs> uh so but you i don't even think you by that time when electric company came out you were probably too old for this already well yeah when when sesame street came out i i was already too old for it i was seven years uh -huh. old when it first um was first broadcast and i have i have told the story before but very quickly right. we our our second grade classroom all of a sudden i, I don't remember what time the show was on it was like two maybe two o'clock in the afternoon or something like that or one o'clock and our teacher wheeled in a big tv and closed all the blinds and plugged it in and did this big announcement that we were going to be watching this you know this brand new educational show called sesame street and then it came on and it was fascinating because i love puppets i mean i love all of that yeah. um that was fun but it was it was so you know fundamental and elemental which is what it's supposed to be so it was mm -hmm. it was it was i was already too old for it when it came out and um um an electro company i just i never really watched i just you know i i, I didn't want i i don't really know what electro company was about or how or what it's what its structure was but i just felt like okay i gotta learn all day at school you know on the weekends i just want to watch cartoons or <laughs> again sid marty uh, sid croft shows that's really what i wanted to engage in and i didn't i didn't these other these other things were it was too much work my head was too full anyway <laughs> well electric company had had morgan freeman easy reader i remember that uh, uh 
And so I, I've actually been trying to get a couple of people from electric company on here, but uh, I'm still going to try. But um, you, Bozo the Clown, did you watch that? Now, see, I freaking hate Bozo the Clown. <laughs> so I would often watch it like I was watching a horror movie because I just, I just, I am, I am not, <laughs> I, I am not a clown person. It's the, the, oh, me either. I hate him. Yeah. <laughs> I know you do. I know you do. I'm curious as to why. Um, but I, I just, I find it incredibly bizarre. I know there's a human in there yeah. and then it's, then it's talking and it's saying <laughs> stupid stuff and it's 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 like why would a grown person want to do this i don't understand <laughs> i just i just found his entire persona to just be horrifying i just ugh, it's just like oh good god no and but I, you so had I don't get, but you saw it right you did this. here's the I have thing seen, i know it was national audience but it, uh, I didn't see Bozo. I don't remember ever seeing Bozo when I was in New York. And I don't know what. I never saw it till I moved, funny enough, to Florida. And we got cable and WGN was one of the stations. And then I saw Bozo. And I was already older there. But I, I don't remember ever watching it when I was the appropriate age, younger. And it, that by the time I did see Bozo, it was like, eh, you know, so... But I, I don't remember seeing it in New York, and it must have been on because it was a national thing. But I, I have to look. But I, I don't well, it's, remember it's watching got a, it. It, it has an interesting history because it 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 goes back quite a ways. Bozo the char Bozo the clown, the character, um, started out as like a comic book with records, and mm -hmm. then um, then some. Okay, I'm trying to look see what his name is here. Um, it it uh oh gosh why it's like his name was everywhere when i was reading it now when i'm looking for it i don't see it <laughs> but the gentleman who actually came up with the idea of turning it into a tv show um basically came up with a brilliant concept he bought the rights to the bozo character created essentially that bozo look the costume and the makeup and the hair and all of that and then he licensed out the idea to larry Carmen. that's it well no that's the actor there's uh, maybe it is it was him. purchased by larry Harmon. created there you by go Alan. yeah larry Harmon. yeah there we are thank you very much i thought that was the uh <laughs> one of the actors that played him but um so he licensed the idea out to chicago detroit los angeles because i did see bozo the clown in los angeles in the earlier days and yes it was in new york but it didn't go national until much later because every every region had a different actor portraying bozo the clown and doing their own form right. their own programming for it hmm. and then he decided that he wanted to make it a single performer so he then eliminated that created created a show that then he could then further they could syndicate to all those markets so in other words you know that that was when it went essentially national when the same show was being seen in every market but up until like the mid 70s or something like that you were what you were seeing was was just somebody doing their own bozo show in so, in your in your city so i thought okay, that I'm was 
You no, know, I don't think in New York when I was a kid. I, I'm looking at the history now, and I think it, it shows Boston and then later on Chicago, you know, Massachusetts and Chicago. I don't think it was in New York when I was the appropriate age to see it. That's yeah, I had, sure, a, that's I, I had another interesting website up here earlier. It showed it? It showed it in New it, York? I'm, that's what I'm trying to see. Uh, yeah, Bozo the Clown, WPIX. I don't know what really what period I don't know what period of time it was there. Um but yeah. And there were a ton of children's shows on in New York. And Willard Denver. Scott from the Today Show played him for a bit. Was... Yes. Yes, exactly, which is, you know, I, that I can see. <laughs> I can see that too. I, I, I had mentioned totally the clown that. story before. I have mentioned I just I'll to brief. Okay, I I think I did mention earlier the show we had, and it never bothered me. I went to we went to circuses when I was younger. My parents took me, and it didn't bother me. I just I was not a clown person, but it didn't bother me. But we had a paper mache clown hanging in the house. Which oh. I think I yes, right. right, and it yes. constantly turned in. No matter how we did it, we adjusted the ropes, and no matter how you put it, we we did it so many times, and it kept turning into the house. It was like kind of creepy, but all right, didn't bother me. Then. I saw Poltergeist, and that stupid clown just terrified me, terrified. And then after we we came back from that, I wanted that clown down. I didn't want it in the house. I didn't yeah. want to see it anymore. It just absolutely terrified me. And since then, forget it. And it I it bothered me and everything. And my my, my daughters want to get me a clown for my birthday because they want to torture me. So that's how sweet they uh, they are. <laughs> Well, I'll have to show up on the show one day in clown face and uh yes. and we'll, and we'll I do absolutely a show. hated it. Yeah. But, well, no, uh, I mean I yeah, I the the thing for me are the clowns that talk. And that's just it. It's like <laughs> the circus clowns and the and the TV clowns, they have to talk. That bothers me. I think one of the most important decisions that Walt Disney ever made was none of the characters in the parks that are in costume are going to speak because you 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 then the children can relate directly to that 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 soft fluffy wonderful character and not have to engage with it and in, in some in some way other other than in a mime in a mimeish sense and there was a there was another there's a couple things about clowns there was another la show children's show called hobo kelly that i absolutely it hor again horrified me when it came on because <laughs> I did a quick I was, uh, kind of clown history has been in interesting to me. And so I did a little bit more research uh, this morning and some of the like the original clown characters, the concept of clowns were based on hobos or vagrants or down and out uh, characters. And so, you know, um, Emmett Kelly, I think, is the most famous one of the circus yes, clowns. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. Again, a hobo, tragic, kind of sad hobo character. But I don't know. I don't think that he spoke. I think a lot of those circus clowns didn't did. speak either. And um, and in, in, interesting enough, people who have seen Cirque du Soleil shows or some of the original Cirque du Soleil shows uh, will know this. But um, all of their... Um, clown quote-unquote characters are based on um the french performance of clown in the sense that they wear a red nose no makeup and they don't talk it's all 
squeaky sounds and it's all mime <laughs> and it's all physical comedy. And I love those guys. Those people blow me away. They're extraordinary <laughs> performers and they don't creep me out. But man, you put that white clown makeup on and the exaggerated <laughs> smiles, and it's like, like this is supposed to be happy, fun, and engaging. Oh my god, I just want to run screaming from the building. Well, see, I, I find it much scarier when they don't talk. <laughs> when they talk, when they talk, I get like, <laughs> see, when they won't talk, it's like, speak to me, speak to me. Like I want to, like you know, they, they just give a little honk of the horn, and it would drive me nuts. But... Yeah. Oh yeah. But see, I can, I get, I can get that too. I get that too. Both sides of it are equally strange. I mean, they just, <laughs> they, they just are. They just are. <laughs> well, what is the, the? It's funny. All right, going back to some of the other show, children shows there. Yeah. Mr. Rogers, I loved, and that was everywhere. I, I yeah, oh gosh, yeah. Like, and I even like you know later on when I moved through like a period, like even in my teens, just like I guess watching back old Mr. Rogers shows again, you know, that was because it was still on at the time, and just he just you know such an incredibly nice person, and I you know you you felt that warmth coming from him that he genuinely cared about uh, a kid, and I, I love seeing all the you know biographies about him you know afterward he was really a nice person so that that yeah. was nice um at magic garden magic garden at sometimes gave way to like another show which i do remember watching but i was joya's fun school but i would i would get angry when those days when joya was on instead of magic garden <laughs> was oh. like, like, <laughs> so, this was good but you know it's not magic garden and so and she was a nice person also uh, but there was one also that we watched, which I don't know if you watched there, but it was, I think it was national also, the uh, Spanish one, Via Alegre. Have you, did you watch, remember watching that as you a You know kid? what? That sounds vaguely familiar. So, but no, I don't, I don't remember seeing it. Because, you know, I grew up because it was like Spanish themed, you know, Mexican themed, you know, I'm half Mexican. Yeah. My dad was Mexican. So we did watch that a lot in the house. And uh, I did love that show. And I, I also, that's another show that I've been trying to get, look for people who are on it <laughs> to try to get over here. So sure. uh, having a tough time right now. With that. But uh, <laughs> that was another one that I really enjoyed a lot that watched watching that one. Yeah. So I'm just so, trying to think if there are any other 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 titles let me look at my little cheat sheet here for a second um, <laughs> yeah no i mean uh you know romper room i was aware of but i didn't watch, I watch it. Romper room as well and romper room is another example of a syndicated show apparently because there were different hosts in different cities they each show had its own production oh, that i didn't it. realize either yeah oh, wow. i just again i just learned that this morning it's an interesting it was an interesting um concept and 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 you know w way of sort of creating a national brand without necessarily having to you know produce something expensive enough on a to, larger scale yeah it was yeah. much cheaper than just to do a local little each each place to do one local show than to have just syndicated everywhere yeah yeah it's i i, I don't know why i don't know what the the um the, the economics uh, are or 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 quite how it how it works but um you know the second you try to take they a just show wanted to beyond... localize the show and talk about yeah. things in the area is that another thing i you know i don't really know it's it's i i, I don't uh -huh. i don't know that much about it um because you know the thing about 
every single TV station in the United States is essentially independent. Um, they make deals with the networks, especially back in the broad, the over the air broadcast days. I mean, if you, you know, KNBC in New York, um, licensed the content from NBC, like the, 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 you know, the TV station licensed the content from NBC or the same with CBS and ABC. You had to pay for that. It didn't just mm -hmm. get sent to your station for you to be able to, because, you know, all your ad revenue is based for local stations is based on not only national ad revenue, but local ad revenue. I mean, right. you got your, you know, your local car salesman and then Toyota advertises across the board. So it's, it's a very complicated industry of licensing deals and money that goes back and forth and how all that's paid and they're even they're they're even major markets that don't carry national shows because they, they just don't want to license that show so you can't watch something in new york or los angeles that you might be able to see in in san diego um because that station just doesn't want to license it they want to run something else and it's so it's very interesting. It's very convoluted in many ways. And I'm I'm doing a terrible job probably um, <laughs> sharing this information. But but um when you own your own station and you own your own content, you're not paying anybody else for it. So basically you're just paying your on-air personalities and whoever puts it together and your camera people and sound people and and they're paid and done and all the ad revenue goes to your station. It doesn't have to be shared anywhere else or in any other way. So. Interesting there. Um, no, this, this look to me, this was a fun, a fun topic to cover. I, I just, <laughs> every, every show when I looked up was just like, you know, smiles. And I, I just smiled and like, Oh yeah, I love, love this. I love that show. And it was <laughs> fun getting to watch old clips uh of uh of that and like i said that, that's exactly why with uh when we did the magic garden one you know it was just i i was all smiles <laughs> i was all i don't think i stopped yeah. grinning the whole show <laughs> when yeah. we had them on yeah so but we, we will have i will have to try to find some others but uh, no this was fun this was definitely a fun one and uh let us know what you think. Let us know if there's shows that we're missing, if there's shows that we didn't cover, if uh, what you thought of some of these, and uh, if you have a fear of clowns as well. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> but again, this has been Pop Culture Retro. I'm Jonathan Rosen with Ike Eisenman, and please subscribe. Thank you for listening to Pop Culture Retro, where no one was hurt during the making of this podcast. <laughs>